Hi there. I'm Joe Dudek, president and founder of Keyhole Marketing. And I'm Shannon Jarek. I work for Keyhole as the assistant brand manager. And this is Metaphorically Speaking, a podcast that explores the mysterious side of marketing. Hello, and thank you for joining us again on Metaphorically Speaking. We had a great time chatting with Lauren McKenzie on this episode, who is the owner of Ren Creative. And if you're not familiar with Lauren or her business, she supports small businesses in the Colorado Springs area with branding needs, graphic design and website design, and brand photography. So this was just a really fun and enthusiastic conversation. She, she lives in Colorado Springs. She's a resident there now, but she hasn't always been. So we get to kind of hear her adventure or tale, if you will, of her journey around the map to get to Colorado, just see how she got there and ultimately learn how she discovered her passion for branding and graphic design, because that wasn't always a part of her story. So we just had a lot of fun kind of getting to hear how she got to where she is today. So Joe, I wanted to kind of throw it at you. I know you've worked closely with Lauren and gotten to know her since you moved to Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Kind of explain your relationship with her a little bit more and then just sum her up, if you will. Describe her <laughs> briefly for us. <laughs> How can I describe Lauren? <laughs> um, no, she's she's a great person. Um very honest person, you know, what you see is what you get with, with Lauren, whether it's at a bar in her office meeting with a client. I mean, it's just the same Lauren in all those scenes, which is great. You're not, you're not going to have like this, this Lauren versus this Lauren. Um, and you know, I think it's a good combination. We've been working together mostly this year, uh, knew each other. I think we met each other last year, but had some opportunities to work on projects this year with some clients. Um, she does the, the website design, the branding for some clients and uh, the brand photography. And then Keyhole supports that with uh, content for the website. And then also for particular clients, uh, ongoing content through blog writing, email marketing, uh, that sort of thing. So she and I have, I think, found a pretty good balance of her energy, spunk, if you will, in in client meetings and work with clients. And then I have a little bit more quiet, uh, mellow tone in those in those meetings. I think it's a good balance. And um, yeah, it's been fun on this podcast to just hear her journey to the Springs from California to Texas to Colorado, and and then even her the way her path uh, meandered in her career uh, as far as what she wanted to do and what she went to school for, and then um, and then eventually how it landed her uh, in a position of entrepreneurship. So. Definitely was was even uh, more twists and turns than I expected in the in the podcast before we recorded it. So it was fun to hear her journey. And you mentioned to me that she's pretty well connected in the food and drink arena, mm-hmm. and I think she mentions that in the podcast as well. Yeah, um, just a space that she's gotten the chance to work closely in um, personally as well as professionally. Just being able to support those businesses. And I know Joe, you've enjoyed some of those benefits just because you'll get to meet up with her or work with her in a lot of great restaurants or bars oh, or sure. areas where you get to enjoy kind of the local taste of Colorado Springs. Yeah. Even last night we were out um, at a local restaurant that's uh, had a soft launch and they're going to be opening up um, hopefully pretty soon, just waiting on a liquor license and um, was fun to, for her to, for us to kind of be out there and meet the, 
chef, uh, meet the owners that she knew really well. And we'll get a chance to work on uh, four to five different websites of theirs uh, the rest of this year. So that'll be fun to tell the the story of this, the, the dining scene here in the Springs. And yeah, she's definitely connected me to a lot of different places and I've expanded my restaurant knowledge beyond Starbucks <laughs> and yeah. And the rest of us appreciate it because you can provide recommendations, you know, for sure. Yeah. Guests or visitors, you've got all the local spots. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been fun to partner with her in that, in that scene as well. And it's, it's cool just to kind of go around the city and, and see, you know, her mark on restaurants, bars, distilleries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to probably go to a non-chain restaurant in the city and not have some influence with, with Lauren, uh, with the brand and visual storytelling. So now it's nice for Keyhole to be a part of the the content storytelling with some of those restaurants. Absolutely. So the last thing we wanted to call out um, was the fact that Lauren earned the title Young Entrepreneur of the Year at the Small Business Week Awards in Colorado Springs. And we're maybe making a little jab at her. Yeah. Uh, Joe and Lauren will talk about it in the podcast, but she just wanted it to be very clear that the title was Young Entrepreneur of the Year. For sure. And just for the record, as you will listen to the podcast, I did say young entrepreneur. She was concerned. I didn't mention that very important adjective, but it was said. And um, if anybody's concerned about the age of Lauren, it's she is technically young. So there you go. <laughs> she's really locked in on that. So yes. just so you all know. <laughs> well, thank you again, Lauren. Um, she certainly does not disappoint in bringing that energy that Joe mentioned, um, just very real and true to herself. So we really enjoyed the interview and we hope that you do as well. So Lauren, you grew up on the left coast, west coast, Southern <laughs> California. That's correct, right? The left coast. I've never heard someone call it that. Oh, yeah. Really? Interesting. I did grow up on the West Coast. I'm in Southern California. Southern Cal. Um, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I know we've talked a little bit about that over some drinks, um, but you know, talk about your family, parents, maybe siblings. Just give us a sense of like what was your upbringing like. Yeah. Um, I grew up uh, with a blended family. My parents um, were never married. They split when I was uh, really little. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, my mom remarried when I was three to my stepdad, who's been my stepdad ever since. Um, and I got two half brothers that are younger than me. So I'm the oldest child out of all three. And then my dad, um, never had any more kids, but he did remarry later on when I was about 14. Mm. Um, yeah, I grew up in Southern California. I mean, I had two totally different households. Um, my mom is more of a free spirited, mm-hmm. open communicator, very liberal leaning. And my father was very religious, um, mm. super conservative, uh, from a military background and a little bit, just a totally different dynamic, um, as a yeah. kid growing up in each house. And then, you know, midweek having to switch over from one parenting and, and, family dynamic to another, um, which I joke and say, I think that that's why I'm fairly well-rounded, uh, human (laughs) being days because I've, I've seen it all and I can adapt to just about anything. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Um, I was doing a lot of horseback riding and rodeo Mm. stuff as a little kid. Um, and then when I was about 13, my dad got custody of me and we moved to Arizona, which is where I went to high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went to high school there for four years in the middle of 
bum fuck nowhere. Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it was the desert. I hated almost every second of it. That was when you were 14, you said? Yeah, I think yeah. I was, uh, yeah, maybe 13. It was Which just a tough time I anyways. That yeah. Ages. yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, basically I was just counting down the days until I could graduate and get the heck out of there. And, mm-hmm. and I did, I turned 18 and I moved off to Texas and where I went to college, did my time there and then relocated to Colorado. Quite the journey. What, how'd you get from Arizona to Texas? What was the draw there? Um, so my grandmother and most of my dad's extended family all lives in kind of central Texas, okay. um, in the, in the hill country. And I grew up as a kid going there for summers, um, or summers or holidays. And I just always loved the change of scenery and I loved kind of the, the Southern hospitality feel to things. And my Nana always just had this kind of sweet, you know, disposition of when anytime, cause I was her only granddaughter for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was always, it's just kind of free time, fun time out here in Texas. And so I just always had this really positive, um, perspective on it. And so when I was trying to decide where to go to college, <sighs> a lot of that kind of also comes with my weird family dynamic and my dad being super controlling and needing to have a say in my life. Um, and for me, it was kind of, well, maybe I'll, I'll have the freedom to move out of state without my dad freaking out about it because I'm moving closer to where his mother is. So in my mind, I was kind of doing it as a, <laughs> a manipulative tactic, tactic to say, uh, yeah, this is, I'm absolutely doing this to be closer to family, not at all because I know that I need to move away from you right. out of a right. different state in order to have autonomy over my own life. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, that was the decision that led me to to Texas. And while I did see my family every now and then, I um, definitely wasn't really the, the full reason why I moved out there. Yeah, yeah. Was there, before we get into the education piece, was there any entrepreneur influence in your life growing up, you know, people that you saw, maybe influences that you encountered that you just felt like, I don't know, just put some, something in your back pocket. You're like, that's interesting. I kind of want to maybe consider that at some point down, um, down the road. You know, so my dad tried. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, he really tried and he failed a lot, which I mean, if as an entrepreneur, I, like I can connect and understand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just also remember, so my dad, like he, he was in, um, the tech industry for a really long time. Um, and just always, he's always had a problem with authority, but to a, to an extent where it was just complete disrespect and, um, without diving too deep into that, yeah. uh, I, I think it, it was always his intent to, I never want to work for anybody else and mm-hmm. I'm going to go do my own thing and, when we moved to Arizona, it was because um, the the market had crashed uh, or had boomed in the early 2000s in California, and it was too expensive and too liberal. And so my dad bought all this property with the intent of starting a, a ranch or a farm, having no ranching or farming experience, okay. nor capital, so nor a house to live in. Okay. So we literally moved to the middle of desert with absolutely nothing um, and built everything from the ground up while we were living in it. So I mean, mm-hmm. we lived in like a Quonson hut 
you know, for first three years of high school while we were building our house. Wow. And my stepmom was on a teacher's salary and my dad was making pretty good money in his tech job. And then ultimately was like, you know what? I'm over this. I want to become an organic farmer. And, hmm. I, and it was kind of like, okay, you don't have a tractor. You don't have experience. You don't have the money. You know, you have all this acreage. You're always complaining about money all the time. But he, I, he always craved this need to work for himself. Mm-hmm. And so I think at this point, you know, I'm in high school. Like, I, I mean, while I'm not completely smart and I don't have a lot of life experience, I had enough <laughs> wherewithal to be like, well, so we don't have money and mm-hmm. quitting your job kind of seems like a really stupid decision, but all right, go off, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I, to say that I had entrepreneurial influence, it's kind of like a yes and a no. Like mm-hmm. I saw it done all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and there's not really one, I get, you know, more than there's one, more than one way to slice a cake, but yeah, he, you know, he ultimately quit his job. We struggled with money for a really long time. Um, and around this time he was trying to make a business out of organic farming and, mm-hmm. um, a bed and breakfast with our house. At that time I was just like, Oh my God, I cannot handle the chaos of all of this. And like the unknowing I'd, I'd be better off on my own kind of thing. And so you yeah. know, when I moved to college, it was maybe a year later and they filed bankruptcy. They lost the farm. They lost the house. Hmm. They lost the business. If you want to call it a business, I don't know if it was ever profitable. And so yeah. in the back of my mind was kind of like, woof, that's, that's one way not to do entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. So right. never really had a successful perspective. Yeah. Example in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only piece of some of that is you just, we both know a lot of entrepreneurs and we've seen some of the stuff from the outside where you're like, this doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. And it doesn't sometimes the outside. And, but at the same time, there's some resiliency. There's some willing to take that leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. With a little bit of like thought forethought is, is helpful as well, for sure. Yeah. I had, I had one other family member to an uncle that was kind of doing like a like a snap on tools type job. And, oh, yeah. and shortly around the same time that my dad filed bankruptcy, they also filed bankruptcy because it's the business structure and being self-employed. So honestly, if I, if anything, I had a really bad taste in my mouth and I would that like the idea of being an entrepreneur or self-employed was terrifying. Yeah. Which is interesting to see like people. how it, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how it went from, you had those two negative experiences growing up really. And when the time became right for you to, to make the leap, you, it, you didn't, that didn't hold you back. You know, you didn't, you didn't sort of stand in fear because of the past experiences you still found like. Totally. Your, your I mean, that's, that's a whole other topic to unpack on why I ultimately did it, but yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I still have fear. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Every day, but yep. I've made it this far. So yeah, very, very true. <laughs> Um, you went to Mary Harden Baylor. I did. In Dalton, Texas. <laughs> Don't um, tell anyone. <laughs> sorry. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need you to redact that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't certainly pull it from a live, uh, article on, uh, the Gazette at all. So. <laughs> I was going to say, you can find that just about anywhere on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So did you land on 
fine arts degree right away? Was it sort of like you knew that from the minute you got there? How did you how did you land on that? No, degree? I didn't. Um, I actually had started school undecided for my first year. I think my freshman year of college, I was I was categorized as undecided. Okay. Um, but you know, in those first couple years, anyway, it, it doesn't matter. You're taking all this gen ed shit, um, right. which is you know, basically like high school, except <laughs> right. I'm paying $20,000 a year for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so I, it wasn't until I think I had to have some art credit, um, that was, um, mandatory for any degree program. And I think I had started deciding that I was going to go into computer science, which oh, wow. again, like you'll, you'll kind of recognize the pattern of me slowly breaking away from what everybody else thinks I should do to mm-hmm. taking ownership of what I actually wanted to do with my life. And with my dad being in technology and mm-hmm. around this time frame was like 2008, you know, yeah. MySpace was a thing. Facebook was just starting to kind of take over. And so people were really starting to see the transition of, you know, tech being taken seriously and social media kind of, you know, evolving. And so at the time it was like, yeah, all right. You know, I want to go into, you know, computer science, but again, that was heavily influenced by my father. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I took, uh, like a basic level, um, art class. I think it was a drawing class. Okay. And then just as an elective, you weren't even pursuing that. Yeah. As an elective. And I I think it was intro to drawing. Mm. Um, and the the university itself was a, a Baptist school. So okay. it was very conservative. A lot of my undergrad classes were, I mean, we had like required chapel, required mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament classes. And, you know, we had to sign this weird document, like when we um, got accepted to the university that, you know, was a statement of our faith type stuff. I mean, it was just, it was <laughs> a yeah, very yeah, yeah. religious environment but i took that first art class and it was like this weird little cool liberal pocket in mm. the entire university yeah where the professors were just the nicest most genuine huge hearted human beings that to this day are some of my best friends um mm. and mm. so it wasn't until i kind of found that art department that they started kind of coaching me into ah you know you have all this talent for this don't you think maybe a, a degree in graphic design would would suit you better than mm-hmm. you know doing back end development? Right. And it wasn't until I took my first kind of web HTML class that I was like, oh fuck, no, this <laughs> I can barely right. sit still for five seconds, and I'm doing brackets and coding and trying yeah. to figure out all of this stuff. And I was like, um, no, but I like this other side where I can incorporate design and color and all this stuff into it, and so. Yeah, was it definitely wasn't initial like I didn't know in my gut and my core that this is what I wanted to do. It was almost kind of like I I found it there on accident and yeah. it worked out really well. Yeah, for sure. I it's so funny. I had very similar experiences. I don't think we we shared all that over drinks when we met, but I had a computer science pursuit for about a semester. Well, until I took like the first calculus class and I was like, what am I even 
doing over here. This is not where I belong. But I think I had the same sort of thought, like yeah. oh, computers are interesting. I actually like working on them. But then when you get into like the weeds of it, I was like that my brain's just not wired that way. Yeah. And then um, I had already taken enough writing courses as electives that I was like, maybe I should just to graduate on time, just go down this path and ended up loving it anyway. So um, yeah, it's just funny how we- Funny how that works out, right? Yeah, for sure. So then after college, you finished with a fine arts degree. I did not actually. You did not? Okay. (laughs) Have you finished college? No, I have one outstanding credit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I am- yeah, so I did not finish. I mean, I technically finished, but I didn't finish. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I had, at the time I had met my um, now ex-husband when I was still in school, and he yep. was in the military, and um, we had lived apart for most of the time that I was still finishing up school, but the whole plan was, you know, when I finish, then I relocate to wherever he was at, and mm-hmm. at the time he was at North, in North Carolina, And then shortly before I quote unquote graduated, um, he relocated to Colorado Springs. Mm. So then that's ultimately what got me out here. And I think for me, it was just an impatience. Like I was so over college. Mm -hmm. I had already like my dad had quit his job while I was in college, filed bankruptcy, lost all his money. So I was completely financially screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a car. I had a bicycle that my art professors bought for me so that I could get a job and start making money. Um, and so like I started picking up odds and ends jobs and taking photos and all this stuff. And yeah. I think for me, it was kind of just like, I was so sick of playing the college. I was just like, this is so bullshit. I'm already basically being an adult and I want to mm-hmm. go get, I want life experience. I want to get a big girl agency job. Yeah. Let's go. And so yep. the second I got to Colorado Springs, I was just like, let's hit the ground running and try and try and get a job. So, yeah. So you did a couple corporate gigs um, before you started Ren Creative. Tell me a little bit about those without maybe naming names, because I think you and I had similar experiences that we both learned along the way, like corporate life wasn't for us. But yeah, I'm definitely kind of uh, one of those people that really, at least maybe in the beginning part of my my career was, uh, I learned, learned lessons very much the hard way and mm. getting better about that these days. But, <laughs> um, yeah, my, so I had the odds and ends jobs I had in college were, you know, kind of doing some graphic design and, and low level marketing for like the restaurant that I was waiting tables for, you know, I was mm-hmm. doing all of their posters, marketing, social media wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that I was doing some photography for some corporate kind of places. Um, but I really, really, really wanted a graphic design job. Like, I don't know why, maybe it's just something in college or like, you know, that, I guess that's just kind of like the path that your parents say, Oh, go to college and then you get a job. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you work in that industry and blah, blah, blah. And you work your way up the the chain of command and you get yeah. promoted and then you become the art director. And so like in my brain, all I could think was that was the track that I had yeah, to go for down. sure was either I I find a company and I make my way to the top or, you know, whatever else. And and I quickly realized, so when I moved to Colorado Springs, I got, I started applying for jobs and I kind of was shocked by how much of the religious stuff was still kind of here, but in like the career field, Mm -hmm. right? Focused on the family, all these other 
religious organizations and institutions. And I was so kind of turned off by that after going to Bible college for four years mm-hmm. and beginning to deconstruct my own stuff. And I was like, ugh. anyway, so I started applying for a bunch of jobs. I interviewed at this one place, um, it's a specialty ink company, um, that would have had just a really small team of in-house designers. Like it was there, I think there was three of us. Yeah. And I got the job after two weeks of being in the Springs, started working there. That was the only friends I had had when I moved Mm -hmm. here. I didn't have, I don't have any family or friends, um, when I had first gotten here. So So I started working there. I started learning about company culture, kind of learning, Mm -hmm. you know, how to, how to have these weird interpersonal relationships with your coworkers, learning about pitching clients, um, doing a lot of mock-ups, like a lot of the the work that I did was all in-house and it was um, just kind of spec work that we would be pitching to big, um, corporations like yeah. Miller Coors, Anheuser-Busch, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola. And so it was a really cool job right out of college to be like, damn, I'm already working on beer labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for these big, 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 big beverage companies. So it was, it was really exciting for someone fresh out of school. Um, but my God, the company culture was toxic. Mm-hmm. It was so toxic. And the owner of the company was just like, he treated all of his employees just so disposably. Hmm. Um, And all of my friends are getting fired for dumb shit or, you know, like it was just awful. And then it started just really making everybody super cynical. And so Mm -hmm. ultimately, like I had been given a bunch of responsibility towards the end of my three-year career there um, and was traveling all over the place, uh, pitching all this these concepts to these big corporations. Um, but then ultimately this, there, there was this bad deal that happened and a bunch of my coworkers and friends got fired for mm. absolutely no reason. Mm. Um, and yeah, I ultimately got fired for opening my fat mouth and telling the <laughs> owner that he was a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's shocking to hear. I can't imagine that happening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I look back and now I'm kind of like, I don't regret standing up for myself and I don't regret, especially now knowing that the company is probably not going to make it any longer. I'm like, good, good for Mm. good. Good for you. Like you deserve all of the terrible karma that can come back around. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had gotten fired just as I was about to quit and put my own two weeks in because I had gotten, I had accepted a job at the independent, um, which is a newspaper here in town. And so I was going to make my own exit out. Yeah. But the good thing was, is that because they fired me, then I was able to at least get some sort of severance package um, for the two weeks until I transitioned. The indie was great. I met a lot of really rad people, a ton of business owners, um, started really kind of seeing that a lot of the business owners here in town needed design help. Mm -hmm. Um, they just, they needed a lot of help and they didn't really seem to either know how to ask for it, know how to get access to it, things like that. Um, and then after that, I left to take an opportunity at a PR agency where she kind of called herself in a full service agency, but really she was good at PR and not very good at a lot of other things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but she still sold them as services. And so I kind of stepped in to do more 
design work, social media, things like that. But again, ultimately at that point was kind of just like, God, I'm so sick of working for other people. I'm sick of making at most $18 an hour with the, you know, experience and creativity. And so I got fired from that job. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So then you eventually got to a place where you were like, I mean, all those little pieces come together. You've seen businesses who need help and you're like, I'm, I can be that person for them. What was, what was it about that? Was that the last job that you exited in that before you started Rem Creative or was there? Um, I have one more job because I was so, so at that point when I was working at that third, that public relations agency, um, I had started taking some small work on the side, you know, like I've got friends getting married and they want wedding invitations or friends starting businesses. And they're like, I know a graphic designer. She could do a business card for me. And, you know, I really started kind of looking at it um, as like, wow, these people are coming to me for, you know, these small things, but I'm realizing in doing that, like, it's really hard for me to do a business card for you. You don't have colors. You don't have a logo. You don't have a brand. Like you don't have a business name. And so a lot of this stuff, like I'm, my brain works naturally as a, as a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the friends that I had started making in the Springs were all through either breweries that I was frequenting, restaurants, bars, um, that I frequented often and getting to know all the staff and, you know, that, you know, they're asking the regulars, Oh, what, what do you do? And it's like, Oh, I do graphic design. And, oh God, we need someone to help us with our menus or, mm-hmm. Oh geez. Like we'd really love a cool t-shirt design or, or this and that. And so then it's, I would kind of help with odds and ends stuff on the side. And then when I was at that PR agency, I was not making hardly any money, but working my ass off for her. and just felt so broke all the time. I wanted to save up for my own camera, wanted to save up for my own laptop and was trying so hard to do it, but needed, you know, some additional side jobs. So I started working, um, two or three nights a week at field house brewing company. So I would just walk there from my house, work a couple shifts, make some money. But then I got to know all my regulars, got to know the owners there they knew, oh, Lauren's trying to start her own agency and doing this stuff. And she wants to work primarily with hospitality folks because, you know, that's kind of where her heart is and where all of our, you know, friendships I've made. And in at that time, I think I'd maybe been in the Springs for five or six years. So that was really kind of what got the wheels turning in my brain of there really is a need for someone like me to help these people. Yeah. Yeah. And also what I had seen at that last agency was – was her, she turned away a lot of small business owners. Um, oh, and a lot of it was, you know, and I, and I look back and I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't fault her for that. Like she knew I want to work with these types of people because I know they have money and I know they have the budget. And in my mind was thinking, fuck that. Like mm-hmm. all these little guys need help too. Right. Like, and I, I'll never forget bringing her um, streetcar. Like I had just found out that Ari was going to change McCabe's over to Streetcar 520. And I was working at the agency and I I pitched it to her. I was like, listen, this is going to be really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. It's going to be such an awesome concept. Like we could sell them on branding, on web, on all this stuff. And she just looked at me and goes, restaurants don't have money. I'm good. Like that's not a client that we want to take. And I was like, no, but really like we, like 
this is such a cool thing and we've never really done something like this. And she's yeah. like, no, they don't, they don't have money. I'm not even entertaining it. And I just kind of was like super sour about that. Just that's so shitty. You know, yeah. you just really support this community. And, but then at the same time, you're like, nah, fuck the little guys. They don't have money. I don't want to work with them. Right. You know? And so for me, it was kind of, all right, well then maybe that's who my clientele should be. Exactly. Maybe yeah. my, my whole thing is that I want to provide them with affordable, solutions for their businesses because I genuinely care about the success of them. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, the, the funny full circle thing is at the time Ari's husband, Greg had just started working at the, the garden of the gods, uh, resort mm-hmm. where the owner of that agency, uh, was a member to, oh, and wow. because he knew that I was working at the agency, he was like, Hey, we're looking for a new PR firm. I know that you're there. Let's do this whole pitch. And we got this humongous pitch opportunity through me and my relationship with Greg, whose wife is opening a restaurant called Streetcar. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in that conference room and then saying like, um, yeah, so we just want to say the only reason you're here right now is because Lauren has a really good relationship with so-and-so. And in and in that moment too, I was like, see? And yeah. that's where at the end of the day, like the relationships that you have with the people in, around you and in this community are so much more important than, than a dollar sign at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. ultimately, I think that that's where kind of the seed was planted on, yeah. you know what? I can do this and I'm going to. And, uh, and I'm going to do it and people need it and they trust me and let's go. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, but <laughs> I'll figure it out, you know? Have you ever torn the house apart looking for your wallet only to find that it's in your pocket or pulled all the clothes out of the dresser? to locate the belt that's already around your waist. Sometimes we're blind to what's right in front of us. The same is true of your small business marketing strategy. You want to meet your marketing and sales goals. You want to spend money and see a profit. You want to invest your time and see it produce a return. You want your marketing strategy to be better, but you can't see how to do it. So you just keep doing it blindly while the tools for success are dangling in front of you. Like those keys you misplaced. Psst, check the key ring. In setting out to solve this problem, we created the Squint Test, a simple, fast, and free marketing assessment tool that gives you an instant glimpse at your marketing efforts, including its strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities. It shows you where you're excelling and what needs attention. Even more, it shows you where specifically you should consider investing your marketing efforts and dollars. All it takes is two minutes to answer 10 questions. Honesty encouraged for best results. Once you complete the squint test, our team will review your results, formulate custom recommendations for your small business, and be in touch with next steps. If you have more questions or see something you're eager to run after, we'd be happy to help. Take the free test today at keyholemarketing.us slash marketing dash assessment.
I guess in my business, a lot of people think they can write and they can't write. And then they mm-hmm. find out that they can't do that very well. And I think like the same is probably true for you as well in the sense of like, you've probably encountered a lot of horrific logos along the way. Oh, yeah. What do you, especially with small business owners, you know, budgets are tight. So they try to go the cheap route or find a better, a, a cheaper option or do it themselves. Um, what is, what's the one thing I guess you wished the biggest thing you wish small business owners understood about branding for their businesses? Um, I guess what I would say is, uh, and, and one of the things that I spend a lot of time really educating my clients or potential clients on is the difference between a logo and a brand. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, these, these smaller businesses, they, they, they want to start their concept and they think I need a logo. That's it. Right. Like I, just, I need a logo and there's plenty of places online where you can get just a logo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, like I'll use a restaurant, for example, you know, a restaurant's like, Oh, I just need to go online real quick, buy a logo. Yeah. Cool. So then Fiverr or 99 designs throws together some Ugh. cheap ass looking fork and knife logo that's been right. done, overdone over a bajillion times. Yep. And it's, it's, there's no thought behind it. There's, there's no intentionality. There's no research on, you know, what kind of food is this? What type of cuisine? What, you know, what's your demographic? There's just, there's no guts to it. It's just a logo. Mm-hmm. And what I think that a lot of these businesses and not just restaurants, I mean, any business that, and, and, and maybe it's just the evolution of, um, logos and branding and, and, um, iconography through the years is we're building you something that's all encompassing what you're doing, you know, like a brand creates you a color palette that then can be used on your paint for your walls that can help you decide how your photos should be taken, how they should be edited with a certain type of, you know, preset that matches your color scheme, that matches your brand. But then these, you know, there's so many different color theory, uh, you know, um, things that can kind of go into how you choose a color based on what it is that you do. And so, I mean, it's also, you know, a lot of times they'll come to me with this problem, say it's a website, you know, or, or maybe it's social media. We're having a really hard time with social media. I'm like, well, do you have any guidelines on how to execute mm-hmm. social media? Oh, well, no. I'm like, okay, well, do you have any brand assets or anything like that? And oftentimes it's like, well, we have a logo. Right, right. And so then it's kind of, and this is why I kind of realized was was seeing all these problems and going, okay, you don't really need a logo. You need someone to come in and give you a brand mm-hmm. that sets you up and allows you to um, execute it more successfully through your menu design, through your social media, through your posters, through your website. And so um, that's, that's kind of been um, a, an interesting thing to mm-hmm. navigate is, is, teaching people the difference between just a logo and the, and the value of creating a brand yeah. that's more cohesive. and really and, and explaining it to them as like a, Hey, this is going to save you a million hours mm-hmm. later on down yeah. the line. You can hire someone and train them and give them essentially like a, you know, a guidebook to your brand. Then it saves you training time from an operations standpoint. Then it, you know, saves you having to sit down and go, what the hell, what kind of colors do we put on social media today? It's like, now we've got it figured out. We've got a handbook. Yeah. You know, so sometimes yeah. it's, it's, 
there's also a little bit of explaining that value too. Um, yeah, the investment up front to see the big to be see the big story and be able to see like sure. okay, we're not going to need the we're going to need this more than just this one small corner of our website. It's going to have to sit on here and there and this and this and I'm going to need to know more than this blue color that I selected. I'm going to have to have complementary colors. Yeah. And things. yeah. And you make a good point too about the investment part. I mean, and and here's the thing: it's a logo. You know, you can get a logo. That's fine. Yeah. But then it's the difference is is and I use restaurants as an example because that we are so oversaturated with them. So it's it's now becoming how are you going to make yourself different than mm-hmm. all thirty of the other ones right around you? Yep. You know, and if it's if if there's no intentionality behind it, it's it's basically a, a copy paste repeat type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in that industry where you well, a lot of industries, but that one I think of when you stop them on the road and you see a great mark uh, that you want to go take, go check it out and get a drink or have some food. And then if the brand, if there's no brand, then it's not carried through once you open the door and you talk to somebody and like they're all that brand is, is more than just even the markets, the conversations you have with the people, it's the people that they hire versus they're not hiring because it doesn't, or it does fit with the brand. Like if they don't know all that, then it's, it's a guessing game. And then they'll find out the hard way that it's not working very well. So yeah, sure. yeah thanks for sharing that. Um, you mentioned this a little bit earlier about sort of, you know, just the fears of entrepreneurship. And I was thinking about Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. I don't know if you've read that. Um, He talks a lot about the resistance that stands in the way of artists or creatives, business owners, like the fear of failure, just self-doubt, procrastination. Um, I was just going to see like, what what are some things that maybe stand, like what are some of the resistance pieces that stand in your way as as a creative, as an artist, as a business owner? Um, oh man, so many. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I still struggle to this day, um, with finding the balance between, you know, there's working in the business and working on the business. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm working in it every day, I'm working on my clients I'm delivering, you know, websites and brands and photos and all these things for my clients. And I know how to do that. Right. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's always learning to be done. There's always new tricks and, and things like that, that I get excited about trying out and testing out, but it's, it's the entrepreneur entrepreneurial side of it that mm. gets in my way a lot. And it's me mm-hmm. getting in my way because I'm, right. I'm running this show and it's, And the struggle oftentimes is, you know, creating systems internally that make for more um, productivity or efficiency, Um, you know, learning different ways on um, bookkeeping or uh, project management, learning when to outsource when I'm overwhelmed or I can't do something or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of deciding, well, what stuff can I start outsourcing then that I feel comfortable having somebody else do? Um, and that's a really struggle too. And a huge struggle. And for me, it's also, I don't know if it's like necessarily like a power struggle or an ego thing. And it probably is very much an ego thing, but you know, I always have this feeling of if someone's hiring me, they want my work. They don't want an yeah. intern's work. Right you know, they don't want me to put some entry level designer on this, this, this brand project. Like they're coming to me because they're like, you know, Lauren wants to do that or Lauren needs to do this. 
And, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, there's, there's only so much I'm capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and being a boss is something that's really challenging and hard to navigate balancing, you know, between getting blurred lines and, and being a really empathetic, understanding human being, but also being a really tough bitch with high expectations mm -hmm. and extremely high standards on, on delivery of um, assets to my clients. And so it's kind of those things I find myself always really having a hard time with and having imposter syndrome, you know, because yeah. it's one thing to, to kind of put your head back, you know, head down and work on a computer in a room by yourself than to now be seen as an, someone of influence or someone's boss, you mm -hmm. know, like you, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I should be doing things a little bit more PC and I should be doing things a little bit more structured. And, and it's those things that kind of really are a, a challenge for me to navigate because again, it's, I know how to take photos. I know how to design websites. I know how to build logos and I can always refine those skills but being a boss is never something I went to school for. You know, mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur is never something I, I studied. It's all kind of something I figured out along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the imposter syndrome definitely runs deep there for sure. Yeah, which is interesting because it kind of segues into the next question, which was you were recently named Young Entrepreneur of the Year <laughs> locally, and it's interesting because you know sometimes people might see that and just feel like oh that means you got all your shit together, but the reality is what you just shared is sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, you know, and I think like you can still be recognized by your peers, uh, in the local market, um, in spite of all the struggles of entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, absolutely. What does winning that award mean to you? Um, just again, from, from all the track record we've just talked about from you landing here in Colorado Springs, not knowing anybody and sort of, what is that? What does that mean to you? I guess. Um, yeah, I felt very overwhelmed, um, very overwhelmed and, and grateful to be appreciated and, and recognized for that. Um, and it, there is a, an element of, of pride being attached to that and knowing that like, damn, I went through hell and back to get here. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, damn, I absolutely learned how to do this overnight. I, you know, experienced working for some terrible people, um, watch them run their businesses into the ground and watch them run people into the ground. And, and I, I took all of those experiences and told myself, I'm not going to be that. Right. I refuse right. to be that. I want to, I want to change this narrative. I want to change, you know, quote unquote, what an entrepreneur looks like. And, you know, entrepreneurs, they come in all different shapes and sizes. And some business owners will tell you, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just mm -hmm. someone that likes to own a restaurant. Right. You know, it's like at the end of the day, though, like, guys, we're running businesses. Yeah. You know, like, this is something that not everyone is capable of doing. Some in most days, we don't feel like we're capable of doing it either. And so, right. Um, I feel honored to be recognized as that, um, for sure. And it was young entrepreneur of the year. Thank you. Oh, my bad. Yeah, not old, not old entrepreneur of the year. I'm so sorry if I didn't mention that. <laughs> I'll definitely go back and edit that. I'll just put yeah. a, a weird voice <laughs> inserted yeah. there. Just kidding. Um, yeah, it, it feels, it feels really cool, especially just like knowing. So I've been in the Springs. I just, my nine year anniversary was, um, this past month. Oh, cool. And just, it's 
sometimes it's overwhelming to sit back and go, damn, I came here and I didn't know a single fucking soul. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of myself for for making it to this point. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. And the achiever in me is kind of like, all right, now what? And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to really break that, um, model that I've always had in my brain that, you know, something bigger and better should always come next. And instead just kind of like, Hey, we're doing it. And, and, you know, we, we don't have to go upward and just kind of be content in, in doing what we're doing, um, and, and doing it the best that I can. Yeah. Which is another, it's another great segue. I've, mm-hmm. I have a, a project for my business coach that I'm still, I think I have to do by next, next week. I should probably get on that, but, um, she's asked me to just to kind of define what success looks like for, for my life, for my business. You know, there's, there's the traditional things people say, you know, money and some sort of, you know, um, revenue gain, that kind of stuff, whatever those kind of markers have, but mm-hmm. wanted me to think beyond that. And I think like what you just described there kind of, you know, that tension of like always aspiring for the next thing, like not necessarily sitting in the now and being yeah. grateful for where you are. How would you answer that question? If, if she asked you that, like, how would, what does the success looks like for you in your life and your business? Oh, and that's such a, uh, that's such a um, tricky question to answer. I feel like, because I would have described success so differently in all the different stages of my life Mm. and, and the different stages of my career as well. You know, like fresh out of college, I thought being successful was running like, you know, being the CEO of someone else's agency or being a creative director. Like that was success. That was the ultimate I'm on top. Um, And then, you know, getting to another business and working for them was like, all right, I'm successful if I'm making X, Y, Z salary. And then, or I'm successful if I get this promotion, like it was always, I I had to be reaching and striving for the next biggest, baddest thing. Yeah. And, and I think being so green and starting my business too, like, you know, my transition out of working for someone else to working for myself was, I'm successful because I'm going to go off and do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get into the, the nitty grit of it, you know, the everyday kind of working with clients. And it's like, dude, I am successful if, you know, I signed one client this month, you know, that right, was kind right. of year one for me was like, that was my success. I feel good about this. Um, and now four years into it, I'm successful if I get my ass out of bed, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, Especially and the last that, couple of years. Yeah. A lot of that comes from, you know, being in a global pandemic right now, right? a lot of pressures externally outside of my job, but you know, answering that now looks so much different than answering it 10 years ago. You know, Mm -hmm. like I wanted to make all the money in the world and I wanted to be the biggest, baddest, toughest, coolest bitch on the block. And like, now I'm just kind of like, I just, success to me is, can I pay my bills? Can I live a comfortable life? Can I be smarter about my finances moving forward, be more intentional? Mm-hmm. And can I learn to have a work-life balance? Yeah. 
that is sustainable. And to me, like that, like having peace of mind is, as I'm learning to understand that there's value in that, which I never would have put value in that before. Like, how are you successful? Because you take time off or how are you successful? And that's, I mean, that's really just Mm -hmm. (laughs) capitalism slowly killing me. Um, But I would say that where I'm at today, my success boils down to how well I treat my clients, the quality of work I deliver to them, and the quality of of a personal life that I'm able to maintain. That to me feels like I'm I'm doing I'm doing right by by myself. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Like, you know that that benchmark for success, you know, just changes over life. As you just said, it changes over your life. Like right now for me as a dad of a almost eight-year-old, it's different because he's different. And so my aspirations as a dad and as a business owner, they all kind of blend in there. But yeah. it's different than when he was just born. And, you know, I was at that point, you know, a, a couple of years into entrepreneurship and it's just continues to change. And, you know, aspirations and things you're, you're trying to get recognition for, they just come and go. And you're just like, I'd rather be a better dad than I am. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So, but ask me this in two years from now, who knows where it's at? Right. And I mean, ask you that when he graduates high school, college, you know, like maybe then you kind of shift priorities and shift, you know, the, uh, the narrative for what success means to you. Yep. Just one more question. I feel like you're, you're a good champion for, women entrepreneurs in the Springs, um, just based on just the story you've told there and, and some of the, the challenges you've faced, how would, what would be a message you would want that crowd to hear from you? Uh, maybe some lessons you've learned along the way that women entrepreneurs in the Springs can sort of take from your story. <laughs> um, men ain't shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I just, uh, oh, gosh, ladies, we can do it. God, we're so capable. We're so smart. We're so empathetic, intelligent, badass human beings. Own it. Run with it. Believe in yourself. Um, Know that you can do it. Know that asking for help is not weak. It's not shameful. It's not um, frowned upon, do it, ask people for help, ask people for advice, for mentorship, um, champion for yourself always first. Um, and, and know that sure we, we may have it tougher. Uh, and that's, that's an unfortunate reality is that things do come a little bit harder, but ultimately, um, we're capable and fully yeah. capable of, of doing anything that we set our minds to. Um, and yeah, let's hang out and have happy hour. Yeah. I love, I, it. I, love a, I love a, I love a woman owned business. Thanks so much for the time today, Lauren. It's been great to hear your story and inspiring us in the Springs with all the stuff you do here, making, making the whole city look better. I appreciate you, Joe. Thank you. You've been listening to the metaphorically speaking podcast. At Keyhole Marketing, we tell big stories for small businesses. If you're in the Colorado Springs area and ready to tell your business story, we'd love to come alongside you and help you with your content, branding, SEO, social media, or photography needs. 
For an instant glimpse at your current marketing's strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, take our free marketing assessment at keyholemarketing.us slash marketing dash assessment, or send us an email at hi at keyholemarketing.us and let us know how we can help tell your story.